Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. It's finally happened. After a couple of weeks, uh, to put this in context, about two weeks ago, myself and Porik uh, were on the podcast along with uh, Matt. And for some reason, Aaron Baru came up. And Dan, Dan Burke to the rescue, he located it in Berlin. Shout out to Etika. Etika, yeah. Etika, Etika was the, sp- the space to get it? Yeah. Etika was the space yeah, to get it. That's not in Berlin. Yeah, that's not so. I thought it was a nerdy store somewhere in Kreuzberg or somewhere. Like, oh, like a hipster? Oh, we have four more cans. Here we are. No. Four last we brought over from our last Dan, Dan pretty much spent all of his wages on this. That's fine. <laughs> I'll reimburse him. So should we should we go for it? Yeah, let's go. Okay, let's go. Let's let's taste this. Right. I mean, I've tasted it, so it's up. It's, it's, I've yeah. never heard what it is. Can you describe what it what actually? Well, that's you the thing. You've you. We we want to hear what okay. you guys think I of it. Put it in the glass as well. Just it's so the glass you thing. Add some context to it. Yeah. Okay. So listen to it. How it peels in. Look at that color. Look at that. It listen to that. Alex natural. Is, Alex is giving us the thumbs up here for the people at home it's an extremely bright orange color just it's imagine what black, it's doing to you blackpool orange if you yeah. turn off the lights it glows right yeah it looks like super biological perfect and like a natural product is it right well we're trying to get sponsored here so let's let's say nice things it's actually good <coughs> <laughs> it comes to your nose when you when you drink it <laughs> well you're not supposed to sip it that way it's an you? extremely good hangover drink i is would it? highly recommend it as a hangover yeah, drink okay yeah. You okay. said you had some Iron Brew facts. Well, first. yeah. So the the commercial, as you'll see from the can, there is a sort of girder shape design on the can. Okay. And the commercial back in the uh, back in Scotland, the UK, uh, used to be Iron Brew is made from girders. And rumor has it that the what reason, is a girder, by the way? A girder, a big steel girder. Oh, sorry. You know, yes. They put in buildings. I'm not from that type of working class film. <laughs> So the rumor has it that um, it was invented because the Scottish steel workers back in the day when they were building Glasgow Central Station um, were all getting pissed on whiskey the night before. Mm-hmm. And in the afternoons, the hangover would start to hit them and their pr- productivity would start to slow down. So the foreman of the steel yard designed this drink, which was a bit caffeinated and a bit citrusy to keep them going, basically. So yeah. they reckon that Iron yeah. Brew sort of powered Scottish industry back in the 19th century. And now it's pairing the One Football Podcast. Yeah. Lovely. Wow. This is like, it's not bad at all, actually. Mm. I knew you'd like it. Yeah. I knew we actually have a drink back home that's kind of similar to this. Okay. It's just a lot sweeter. But is it yeah. like uh, like highly caffeined or something? Or? Yeah, it's yeah, very okay. caffeinated. Yeah. I think it's going to be a really, really fast te- tempo podcast. Okay. Well, anyway, joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is Benny Kulhoff. Hello. Dan Burke. <laughs> Hello. And Daniel Cadena Jordan. Hey, all You three... <laughs> There are the three the people want. Oh, really? Really? The dream in, in team. Which ranking? The dream team. Should I give my ranking? Um, like people's ranking. I don't care about your ranking. You don't care my ranking. It's the fair. I was surprised it was even Daniel Cadena. Number one. Well, Abasek Torasar emailed in and said, Daniel Cadena, Jordan is great. I really like him every time he comes on. Mm. First time I hear that about myself. It is, and but a big sh- well, he, no, well, hold on, <clears throat> but a big shout out to Dan Burke. Obviously, yeah, did a fabulous job hosting the podcast. Though I like Ian McCord as host, Ooh, I feel I feel Dan did a fantastic job as a substitute. You're right now at rank three of three. Oh, I'm four. <laughs> but hold on, there was also some stuff about you. Oh no! Somebody emailed in and said you are by far the best podcaster on this yes. podcast Thank but hold you, on Papa. they put the word they put the word podcast in inverted commas uh, okay <laughs> so <laughs> i've just noticed that again. now there's more yeah okay avery has been in touch avery love you well you're good you're really gonna love avery <laughs> after this ian mccourt is my favorite oh, avery come on avery if you're out there and you're listening. That's definitely out. your pseudonym or something. Yeah. Isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. it was a- Avery McCord <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> so as we said last week and every week, the address to send any of your favorite podcast questions to is podcast at onefootball.com. We do really appreciate them. Uh, so please keep them coming in. And we've loads to get to later. And if you've time to get over to iTunes, leave a comment, leave a rating, let us know how you think we are doing. That would be appreciated too. Now, speaking of people getting in touch, Precious Ibarama. What a name. It's a really good name. It uh, is a... It's a five out of five name. Five yeah. out of five? Yeah, I would, it's a really it's, good one. I wouldn't have this name for like a week just to see how it changes my life. 
Maybe, I would, maybe self-esteem pre- would probably go through the roof. Maybe Precious could swap with you for a week. Precious yeah, could be Benny Cool. In every store, I would say like, "Hello, I'm Precious." Blah blah blah, and they would mm-hmm. say, "Oh, wow, interesting." Mm-hmm. Reminds more. me of Kurt Zuma. Do you know what Kurt Zuma's middle name is? Precious. Happy. <gasps> Kurt Happy Zuma. Yeah. Kurt Happy Zuma. Is it really? Yeah, nice. Happy Zuma. When you say the whole thing together, it's actually quite nice. Yeah. yeah. Kurt yeah. Zuma is you know normal name, but Kurt Happy Zuma adds a little spunk to it, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, nice. So Precious is asking after the first Barcelona game. I don't feel Griezmann is going to work for Barcelona. <laughs> what do you think? And how do you think the whole team is going to perform considering Valverde is a shit coach? <laughs> it seemed to work pretty well at the weekend. Well, yeah. I, I, he, I must say Precious sent this in before the weekend. Obviously, yeah, yeah. I imagined. Um, well, for starters, I don't think Valverde is that bad of a coach. He just has a lot to deal with. And sometimes, like, you know, you kind of have that sort of phenomenon in big clubs where great coaches don't perform that well because, you know, it's just too tough to keep up the standards, isn't it? Um, but I think... And Barcelona is a hard place to coach. Yeah, well, Spain in general, I'd say it's really, really demanding. They're, they want results right off the bat. It's Patience is not necessarily the forte there. Um, having said that, I well, Griezmann did score and he did have a great game uh, against Betis last weekend. But I don't know. I'm still keen on seeing how he's, how he's going to mix with Suarez and Messi, who are definitely going to take up a lot more space up front than Griezmann had during Betis. So it's probably like the big question. That's like the big if he still has. How will he fit in in a place where he has a more limited role, where he's not that uh, much of a reference as you know Messi would be or, or Suarez even up front being the, mm-hmm. a full-blown nine striker. Um, so I think that's basically the question regard, like still pending around him. Like how would he perform surrounded by players of his stature even bigger? So it's, it's still a 50-50. He started out well, I, I think, but you know, We'll see what happens once the big guns come in. How will he fit in with Neymar? <laughs> That's a huge question. Um, What's honestly, anybody anybody got the latest on this? I sort of fell asleep a bit a while ago, but he's gone. He's no, not gone. It's he's, clo- he's close, apparently, they think. They're sort of yeah, close it's, to it's, the deal. Yeah, they're kind of like figuring out how much money and when they're going to pay it and who's going to come on board in the deal. But Maybe it's just, Dembele might be going the other way now. Yeah, but apparently now it's good for like a one-year loan, not a full-blown thing. So right. it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird when you think. Like it, they're still figuring out the details and there's this, really nothing set on stone. This is the worst transfer of all time. I think it's totally unnecessary. I think it's it, it's more marketing stunt, I think, than anything else. If anything, like having the whole dream team, so to speak, up front for Barcelona, maybe it's kind of like the move. Maybe that's the new thing in football. We need five superstars together because why not? Um, but I think it's just overkill of anything. I mean, you have you're going to have a hard time fitting in, you know, Messi, Suarez, and Griezmann together. Then Bellas has, has to see minutes, and you're going to bring Neymar on board. How does that work? I mean, who who do you bench? And I don't <clears> think anyone's going to take it lightly to begin with. So. I have Any, a theory. Yeah. I have more theories. I, I knew this was coming. First thing <laughs> I, I was alarmed with is that Barcelona is a hard place to coach. Yeah. I think it's the easiest place to coach on planet Earth because the team is playing itself. Everybody can coach this fucking team right now in the last 10 years. <laughs> the team, I granted, but I think there's a, there's a certain, there's a level of expectation there and I think the fans are exhausting. That's what I think makes yeah, They're looking for Guardiola. Again. And they want Guardiola. Yeah, you're always compared to Guardiola, but yeah. like it's a, the, the title in the league is like self- Self-winning, you don't have to do anything. It's like a self-driving car yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. second thing is Griezmann. Oh, oh. And I hate Griezmann, and that's completely fine. We didn't talk about the confetti thing. Oh, so what the fuck? What's the confetti yeah, I, thing? Oh, you didn't see that. He when celebrated he goal. his goal like uh, like a ball boy giving him a hand of confetti, and then he did like a. Move. He did the LeBron celebration thing. Yeah, not, like not really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like he blended the Messi one where like. Raise his arms like you know, like he's some sort of demigod, and then he did the confetti thing. So and that's that's the best thing because yeah. he, he did it on purpose to be like a social media king, and no one referred to it. No one. He was just like literally people in the stadium saw it. No match no report. One no one showed it. And this is typical <laughs> Griezmann. Like, oh yeah, I'm the king. I have a great idea, and then no one is referring to it. Wait, no one is interested in you. It's because he's not original. The one thing he was original about was you know. The, the Harlem Globetrotters incident and that that did not go down well, did well, it? What was that? Well, he, well, he uh, did blackface for Halloween once. So, oh, yeah. You know, not really cool. Nice guy. No. Yeah, that's Griezmann basically in a nutshell. So, yeah. And then the third thing is cool. Neymar. Oh, yeah. So Dembele said he's not going to PSG. His agent confirmed. Right. So then there's the a, a new option. Then there is this deal that is reported to be two-year loan that's right, right? Yeah, Two-year yeah. loan to Barcelona, then buying him for 170 million euros. In mm-hmm. two years, he made eight games, so he's still the same player as he is right now. My theory is that Barcelona knows that Messi's era is ending and they need to p- pause him longer for like 
several weeks or months. So they need two superstars to replace him so that no one realizes, oh, Messi is on the bench for a week or a month or whatever. So I think Messi's body is over. That's my theory. Wow. He is, inju- the- he is injured at the moment. I'm yeah, buying it. I'm buying this. I'm drinking yeah, the Kool-Aid here. I'm benching this. He played like 500 games. He, <laughs> he scored say. like 1,000 goals. I think he is at the limit of his what a man, uh, what a body can take. True. And Barcelona realized that, so they went all in for all offensive players that they can replace Messi, and Messi is there for the big games. That's my theory. Well, he's he's supposed to be out for longer than expected now. Like apparently, he's not <coughs> his body's not responding well to the treatment he's having yeah. right now, and. Uh, He's now in doubt for the next game, which means he might be in doubt for the internationals, which mm-hmm. means he's probably going to be out for a good three weeks, probably. So, yeah. Maybe. He's maybe onto if, something. Here. Yeah, maybe if we're onto something. Hmm. What do you know that we don't? What do I, you know that we don't? I, I had an interest to make up theories and hope they are. <laughs> <laughs> hope they stick. <laughs> Shooting in the dark. That one about the earth being flat is uh, <laughs> not convinced by that one yet. But we'll see. I, I, I had an interesting <laughs> theory last week yeah. that anybody with short, manageable, controlled hair does well at Bayern Munich and anybody oh. with sort of wild uncontrollable hair wouldn't succeed at Bayern Hamas Munich. Hamas failed and he has short controllable yeah, hair so well, I didn't say it was it was disgusting I didn't so say it was 100% proof who has weird hair at, at uh, Bayern Munich well I couldn't think of any people who failed at, Barcel- or at uh, Bayern Munich Dante had weird hair he played two good seasons well he won the Champions League with, him, with Bayern so. yeah. but think of all the players who succeeded with short manageable controlled hair I think Bayern hair. is go- only going for people with non-weird <laughs> hair because they they try because it's in yeah. Bavaria, it's Germany, it's very conservative. The mm-hmm. fans are very conservative. They mm-hmm. don't want weird hair people in their team. Yeah. So if you go to Bayern, you shave your hair before. Yeah, I think like there's Iron a Robin. dress code kind of thing. Not yeah. truly. I mean, I'm speculating. Yeah. I'm trying to pull up. I mean, leather pants and weird hair looks like ridiculous. Well, yeah. You see, Guardiola was saying recently that Rodri has defensive midfielder hair. Did he say that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like he's. What does it mean? But he's absolute weirdo, isn't he? So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What <laughs> that means. Listen to what he says. Uh, getting back to Barcelona, which is what we're really talking about oh, right sorry. now, they had an interesting transfer window. Uh, they had a good one, actually. I think uh, even without even without the arrival of Neymar, you think they've had a good one? I think they're okay. I mean, they kind of got well the players they needed in the, in the spots they needed as well. Because let's face it, Messi's not the only one that's aging. I mean, Busquets, who has always been a bit more fragile physically than Messi. Well, now he's you know hitting the you know third floor, so to speak. Well, he's done um, with. We've just confirmed it with Benny. Yeah. yeah so you know, uh, <laughs> and they get this you know this little Dutch kid is supposed to be the next big thing in that position. That's a great move, I think. Uh, Juno Filippo is probably, I think, one of the least spoken about signings that they did, but actually a really smart one because you can finally rest Jordi Alba, who has been a player mm-hmm. a machine for them for the past six five to six years maybe mm. and now you give this guy who's 20 years old you know the chance to shine the chance to get some minutes in games that are not that important you're thinking they start thinking for the squad two three years ahead and then you know that there's kind of they understand what's actually missing in the team Madrid on the other hand like they're trying to avoid what Madrid had uh, with the Ronaldo faux pas where they didn't have a proper replacement so they kind of learned that lesson from like that, that other lesson so I think yeah, it's, it's been an interesting experience for them. Even the whole keeper swap with Neto coming in for Silesen, uh, it makes sense. I mean, even accounting-wise, it made sense mm-hmm. by the way they organized it. So. And getting rid of Coutinho is also good business. Well, yeah, I mean, if you have some guy that's, what, 13 million, 14 million euros on your pay sheet and he's not really playing and people are pissed at him because he's not playing, get rid of the guy. I mean, yeah. it was a great solution. Speaking of Real Madrid, why did they keep getting linked with Neymar? Were they just trying to troll Barcelona? Is that what it was? Well, I think they're kind of in panic mode precisely because they still haven't found quite the replacement for Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Hazard, for all his great attributes and for the fact that he's a great player, honestly, um, he's not that big in Spain as Neymar is for the simple fact that Neymar did play in Spain. In terms of name. Exactly. And if there's a team that's about brand, well, lo and behold, it's you know Real Madrid. (laughs) So I think it has a lot to do with that. So it's kind of like a... Part of the expression, it's kind of like a pissing contest with Barcelona to see if we actually fetch the guy. Um, but I don't think there's much behind it. I mean, they already spent 300 million on players as it is, so I'm not really sure they have the mus- the, like the money, mu- like the money muscle or whatever it is to like convince mm-hmm. Neymar that that's the team for him. Maybe they, they just yeah. jumped in to raise the price for Neymar to piss off Barcelona. If that's, that's the case, that, that, if that's I the case, that kudos because that's yeah. amazing. I would yeah. I would totally support something that hilarious. Yeah. But, but I think yeah. I think other clubs have done that before. N- nobody comes to mind, but I'm sure other clubs have done it before. Uh, it was an interesting summer for them, though. I don't yeah. know whether it was good or bad. Uh, well, it was interesting. That's, I think, the best way to put it because, how to, how to put it, uh, you got the same coach that, you know, achieved, well, he was, he was kind of like a lame duck when he came in by that point. Like, like Madrid had lost everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have that he he's playing arguably because he's rotating a lot and still the beginning of the season and he knows older players better than the new ones, logically. 
so he started out like basically repeating Ancelotti's eleven, like during the mm. last match, for instance. So yeah. there's a lot of you know discussion on whether or not like what's his relationship with the new players. Um, but for instance, Luka Jovic came in the last game. He hit the crossbar after an amazing header, and little by little, Mendy is injured. Hazard is also got injured, so I don't think. I think right now this is as bad as Real Madrid can get right now. I think it's going to be a lot more promising coming. Uh, throughout the season in the sense that, you know, they're going to have more able bodies, they're going to have more integrated players, and once he figures out exactly what every player brings to the table, he's going to be able to, I think, sort something very, very decent out. And uh, But yeah, so I think this is the low point. Go on. I have a theory. Uh-oh. Yes. Uh, is this anything one. to do with Bale, this, Navas, or James? No, but it has something to do with Real Madrid. Go on. It's just super quick. I just I would say the magic of Zinedine Zidane is blown away. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I think he will be demask. Is it demasqueraded? Well, demasked. Demasked this season, mm-hmm. and it's just a normal coach, and he's not a good coach. He's just. I uh, never would have come back if I were him. Yeah. Well, never. it was a no. big gamble, I think, but it was also a pretty big paycheck. So you know. I mean, for him, he can't be. He can't be short of money, though. Well, no. but, you know, if you can make an extra 10 million, you make an extra 10 million, don't you? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. But I mean, I think he's just a good, he's better at managing people than he could be yes. tactically or, or strategically yeah. speaking. But, but yeah, I think it was a bold move on his behalf. Uh, is he the right coach for Madrid? I honestly don't know. I don't know how he would work with, like, integrating new names into the squad. That would be a huge uh, issue to see uh, down the line. But so far, he's been relying on Bale, who's been decent. Uh, Gaylor Navas is well you know, not really playing is he right now but you know i think he's a good like you know card to have in case something happens to will he play in the cup games i think they're going to do the tandem system okay. this year and i think Our it's a psg trying to sign him before the deadline though. well yeah but that's kind of like the whole same situation of like yeah you'll get neymar but you know you need the sistine chapel one mm-hmm. of messi's kids and 800 million euros to sign the guy uh, okay. so you know it's wow. they're kind of <laughs> that's all yeah <laughs> it's basically what they're kind did of you going see over. uh did you see messi's kids the other day Yes, he's celebrating amazing. the Real Betis goal. It's not true. That's true. Fake That's, news. Yes, what? fake news. He was celebrating Barcelona hitting the side netting. Exactly. Ah. He thought it went in the goal. But yeah, yeah. It, everyone thought, even I thought that you know he was doing the whole because not the first time he would celebrate something against Messi, which I find amazing. Hmm. But, uh, I it was but cute. yeah, it was, I'm on his side. I mean, I'm not a Messi fan, so I'm on the side <laughs> of his son. Let's not him. let's not get into this is too long a discussion if we yeah, get into I this. Know, it's a special, okay. yeah, so Bale, Navas, Hamas. Oh, oh yeah, we know we haven't mentioned Hamas. Is he staying? He is because he's playing. Well, yeah, he saw some minutes. Uh, he's injured now. He's going to miss the uh, international break as well. So he's probably out for like a month. Um, God, they've been unlucky with injuries. Well, yeah, that's basically his thing. Like he comes on board, <laughs> huge expectations, has one good game, he's broken for a month, plays another good game, he's broken for another month, and that's basically been him for the last eighteen months. So, wow, yeah, that a bittersweet, you know, Bayern side of me, kind of, you know, not really appreciative of what he brings to the table because of okay. that. So yeah, right. And the red and white part of the Spanish capital is João Felix. Like how I pronounce that? Joao Feliz. I got a. I got pronunciation lessons from Joanna. Okay. Good. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on his young shoulders. What was it, 126 million? 126 million. Exactly. He's 19 years old. Yeah. Well, he... Simeone put it greatly when he said that he has no problem, quote unquote, filling his backpack with responsibility and pressure because he sees in him the. He sort used the of... word backpack? No, like that's a metaphor. Like oh, a, a hyper, yeah, like a figurative backpack. Ian. <laughs> My bad. Um, so it's basically like he does think he can handle the pressure, and he's arguably right so far. Simeone, he's played not that much, but he had a great you know summer. Uh, he almost scored an amazing goal in the second game of the season. Uh, he's really well integrated in the team. You can already tell that he's very, very you know in sync with what uh, Simeone wants from him. So I think. It's very interesting what we're going to see from him this season, despite the fact that he's you know 19 mm. years old. He looks like a younger Aguero to me. He looks like a young Aguero. He looks mm. like a little brother, kind of cousin kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's lovely to go back and see those old pictures of Aguero with his mullet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like the the most Argentinian looking man of all time. Um, a lot of new players in at Atletico. Yeah, they brought in. Uh, well, they had to. I mean, they lost was it, like sec, like six starting six, players. Six Basically, the players, whole defense yeah. is gone. But 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 Jimenez. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was I think the big. Um, win for them this summer that they actually could replace man for man every single you know loss that they had Juan Fran left Colin left they brought in a really solid defense now um, they brought in a player like like Hector Herrera who is maybe not the you know most uh, known of the signings or anything but mm-hmm. he's one of those players that adds a lot of depth and versatility to the midfield that sometimes 
particularly last season and the one before that, uh, where you could feel that you know injuries kind of cost them games that otherwise would have you know led them to a title race or something better in Champions League or the Cup even. Um, I think they did understand that they needed a bit of a larger squad to work with, and uh, I think they did it marvelously. I mean, they had the funds to do it as well. Griezmann leaving and several players leaving, yeah, they true. could find they could finance themselves a, a very very decent squad. The, you know, kudos for actually doing it because not all teams can actually do that. So big, big yeah. question, yeah, can they win it this season? I wouldn't rule them out at all. I think it's between them and Barca to be quite fair. It's a bit of a politician's answer. I wanted a yes mm-hmm. or a no. I say yes. You say yes. Yes. Okay. I like your positivity. No, I really appreciate what Atletico Madrid did this summer, and I like Joao Feliz, so mm. I like them way more than Barcelona or Real Madrid, so I'm on their side. Okay. You've got one minute to talk about Betis and Sevilla. Oh, Betis and Sevilla. You want to talk about something? Oh, okay. you no, it's one minute. I just count. Well, um, there were surprisingly two of the best teams uh, in the market this, uh, this, uh, this summer. Well, Monchi came back to Sevilla, who's sort of yeah. like a god over there. Uh, and he, I think he basically bought 11 players and just gave them to Lopetegui, of all people, who's now coaching the team. Um, like, yeah, win something. Two games, two wins. They've been doing great. We've uh, sold 16 players as well. So yeah, I mean, so it was far, it was yeah. insane. Like, it was really, really hectic. Like, every time you would have to cover something from Sevilla, you knew it was transfer, transfer news. Mm-hmm. There was nothing else going on. Lopetegui. They did quite well. Uh, and Betis, I mean, they brought in Borja Iglesias. They kind of, like, you know, strengthened their, their little weaknesses. So now they have, like, a really solid 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't seem that way against, uh, against Barcelona last weekend. But, you know, I'll just bring it down to Barcelona being amazing and being, you know, having a very, very different 11. They couldn't really prepare for that, could they? Um, but I think they're going to be two teams we're going to be hearing a lot about, and definitely Sevilla is going to be giving trouble in the Champions League positions, and Betis Europa League is definitely more than plausible for them. Mm. I think it's it's two teams to keep an eye out. Okay, sixty. So there was exactly one. <laughs> oh, there you go. Wow. Right. Boom. he's good, isn't it? Uh, we start off this week's Premier League segment with a question for you, Dan. Oh yeah, from Ruben. He asks: The Premier League is known for its competitiveness, but I feel like the gap between the top six and the next three who he names as Leicester, Everton and Wolves, and everyone else is growing. It's harder to break the top six or finish above 10 for all the smaller clubs. Do you think the gap will continue to grow and eventually the league will become a farmer's league where a few teams are consistently finishing top three and everyone else is irrelevant? Uh, yeah, is the short answer, yeah, okay. pretty much. I mean, the only way a team's likely to break into the top six now is if they do something really exceptional. Mm. And that relies on you know Manchester United or, or Arsenal, Chelsea at the moment, maybe Spurs having a bad season. But even if that happens, it's only temporary. And then, you know, United are going to go out and buy £200 million worth of players the next summer to try and get back into the top six or the top mm-hmm. four. You know, uh, Everton, like those sort of clubs, can't really compete for the best players. They might get someone like Moyes Keane, as they have done this summer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he has a good two seasons at Everton, one of the big boys is going to take him, aren't they? So, yeah, it's very difficult for, for, for these clubs, I think. Um, it's one of the reasons I've always thought financial fair play was a bit of a crock of shit to be honest and I can't understand why clubs like Everton like Leicester voted for it it seems like t- Turkey's voting for Christmas for me you're just kind of limiting the amount of investment that can come into the game It's there's a, a sort of glass ceiling for these clubs and mm. yeah they're going to struggle to really break in it's just uh, it's going to be dominated by the big six as they call them mm-hmm. for time immemorial I think I was a bit surprised by his choice of the next three Leicester, oh, yeah. Everton, Wolves who would you throw in there? maybe West Ham no, well, but they have maybe the whole that, baggage yeah. of West Ham being West Ham to deal with. Like, <laughs> they usually kind of like get the right players, but it never really clicks, does it? So I mean, uh, to be a bit depressing for a moment, I think it's a bit of a sad indictment of this kind of financial infrastructure of football, not just in, in England, yeah. but everywhere, really. You know, it's happening in Germany, in Spain. Yeah. Um, you know, it started in England with the formation of the Premier League and the gap between the have not, haves and the have-nots is getting bigger all the time. You know, you look what happened to Bury yesterday. A 135-year-old mm, yes. club have gone to the wall over oh. the sake of about £5 million. Pounds. Mm. You can't even buy a dec- an average Premier League player for that anymore. You can't on fantasy football. That's for no. Sure. So, yeah, it's quite... It's and Bolton are also... It looks that way, yeah. They've got 14 days to try and get the shit together, but I'll be surprised if it happens. Yeah, yeah. too. Very sad. Now, a few weeks ago, Dan, we had Pora Guilin in here defending you. Yes. When I asked if it gets boring if your team wins all the time. Now you're here in person. You can tell us yourself. As a, <laughs> as a noted City fan... Because we were talking about the West Ham game and we were saying like it's a sort of identity game. You know, you've seen City have this performance every single time. Mm. You've obviously come from a time when City didn't have this and it's been through all the leagues and you've had like your Richard Dunn's and your King Cladsey's and all of that sort of thing. Uber Rosler. Uber Rosler, of course. 
Legend, Legend, we, yeah. we don't even want to mention what his nickname was. And uh, so, does it ever get boring? <sighs> well, no, is the short answer. I okay. mean, I think I think a lot of this kind of boredom debate stems from people failing to grasp the very basic concept that winning is supposed to be fun for the fans of the team that wins and not fun for anybody else. Yeah. So, just because you find it boring doesn't mean we necessarily find it boring. <laughs> but what I will say is, like games like that West Ham one, mm. we won five nil away on the opening day of the season. There was a time when if we won five nil away anywhere we'd have like an open top bus around the city. And nowadays you just, you don't really bat an eyelid. So you sort of, the games that you really look forward to are the derbies, you know, Liverpool, yeah. uh, finals, Champions League games, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's what keeps us interested nowadays. But, you know, do you think I was bored last season during the tensest title race, Premier League title race ever? It was one of the most stressed out I've ever been in my entire life. And the release <laughs> at the end of that was incredible. And, um, you so never yeah. looked stressed out of Woods. He keeps coming. Well, he's, he's one cold cucumber. Nah, I, still get, I still get really nervous before games. I still feel delighted and relieved if we win. Do you get nervous before games? Very much so, yeah. Before the big games, yeah. Right. But also, like, I think I speak for a lot of City fans when I say this, but I, I know that this isn't going to last forever. Like, Guardiola might go in the next couple of years and then it's going to change. The owners might go, it's going to change. So you've just mm. got to try and enjoy every second and not yeah. get blasé about these things. So. Okay. What I know from a lot of Bayern fans is if you win anything or everything that is there and you win all games, if you lose once, everybody's making fun of you. There's yeah. no one that you can say, oh, this was yep. a shitty loss or whatever. Even if there's a Champions League semi-final and it's super dramatic, you can't say, oh, well, and everybody's saying, <laughs> ha ha, you lost the yeah. game. So yeah. losing is the way bigger factor than winning, I, I would say. Like It's a sense of relief that I feel after a yeah. lot of wins, more than joy. But, wow. Yeah. It's a side of you I didn't know about. Then. <laughs> uh, it's obviously a lot being written about City over the last few months, about Abu Dhabi and the idea of sport washing. Mm. Uh, to get serious for a moment. I mean, you, like we said, you were a fan before all of that. I mean, is it something you can set aside or how do you set it aside or do you get torn over it? I think, yeah, I think any fan in the right mind would be conflicted about something like this. I mean, politically, I'm, I'm quite left-wing. Um, I'm well aware of the kind of hypocrisy of supporting a capitalist institution run by, you know, the uh, ruling uh, people of a, a nation with a very questionable human rights record. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. I think football in general is quite a dirty game. I think we're all, um, you know, guilty of doing things in our lives. You know, the clothes that we wear, the food that we eat, the mobile phones that we use all come from, you know, pretty dirty means of production and that kind of thing. So, Except Iron Brew. Iron Brew, we love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. The sports washing thing has always confused me a little bit as well. That's like a bit of a buzzword that's, that's sprung up over the last couple of years. I understand that as a concept. I understand the idea that these mm -hmm. people will buy a football club in an attempt to kind of launder their image in the Western world. But how's it worked for Abu Dhabi? If anything, it's shone more of a light on their practices and their human rights record than it would be if they'd never got involved in City. And well, I guess yeah, I guess you see those videos of Aguero and all the players being out there training there, and mm. it's like a nice kind of publicity thing for it in the, in that respect. But I do agree, it does yeah. it does bring a, a light to things that perhaps weren't there before. And the only people really fighting their corner are City fans, and as you know, we don't have any fans, so they've not really <laughs> they've not really bought any sort of great publicity as a result of it. It, it is amazing. Amazing though how fans jump in on this debate and will defend Abu Dhabi as if it's you know their own family. Yeah, I don't think that I find ever, odd. Yeah, I definitely. Say. You don't. You shouldn't ever like blindly defend the club about everything. Um, and you do get a lot of City fans doing that, sadly. But I mean, in their defence, I think it does get a little bit tiresome sometimes having to constantly. You know, like football is supposed to be something where you. Um, an escape from the, mm. you know, this sort of thing, the rigors of modern life and mm. all this kind of thing. And every time you go on Twitter or every time you open a newspaper, you're reading about how evil your club is and all this sports washing yeah. stuff. I can see why people get pissed off at that and sort of, yeah. you know, fight back, push back a little bit against journalists on Twitter and that kind of mm. thing. Don't necessarily agree with it all the time, but sometimes I think it's justified. Say if your clubs were taken over by super rich people, would you feel less conflicted? I guess you would, right? Me as a Schalke fan, so we are run, our president is a racist butcher and <laughs> our main sponsor is Gazprom from Russia. Okay. So I would say I'm the same situation, except we win nothing. Um, we have a very bad team, but we have the same background from like who supports us. And uh, I always think you have to divide between the club and how the club behaves and how the fans behave. So... Um, I think, as you said, a lot of fans are against or pro Abu Dhabi or whatever, and the same at Schalke. So some people say, I don't give a shit who's our sponsor, as long as we can buy players like Raul or whoever. And others say, no, I don't wear shirts where Gazprom is printed on it or whatever. And I think it's 
it's hard to say like to, to put everything together like a club is not the players and the the management and the fans i think there is always so many different ways where you can approach a club and i think the fans are a completely different thing than how a club is run and the decisions are made in the in the fans and this is the one side of modern football that fans are only part of the entertainment but on the other side they have an opinion and this will always be follow-up to clash i would say so fans if they raise their opinion there will be a clash with the structure of a fine marketing fine-tuned group or, or whatever uh, mm -hmm. for team or whatever so yeah. uh, i would think this clash would stay there forever um but yeah i'm basically with my club we are in a way shittier situation than you are maybe mm -hmm. at least he's winning things yeah, being a, being a football fan has changed a lot as well. It's like yeah. you know, it's become a little more political, don't you think? Yeah, you have to understand so much more stuff yeah. that, that away from the game. Like you know, I support City because I come from um, you know a long line of City fans in my family. When my dad took me to Main Road as a kid, we didn't go through the turnstiles and get given a pamphlet on the ge geopolitical situation in the Middle East, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, true, so yeah. these are things that I've had to learn over time. Yeah, and it, mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, it's important that perhaps the game is um, shining a light on these things in a way. Maybe that is a good thing. That we know more about these things because of the way that fo football is used in these ways but i think it's had a lot to the debate the whole i think it that brings morals to sports i think it's it's maybe the silver lining of all this of course there's dirty money of course there's clean mm. money in sports and to tell which is which is a lot tougher nowadays because there's a lot more ways to circumvent it as well mm. um of course when you know track record and now speaking as a Bayern fan like you know we were also like you know in the bed with Qatar and all that thing mm -hmm. and Beckenbauer was kind of being indicted for the whole World Cup 2006 being bought and all that thing Uli Hoeneß was in jail for tax evasion mm -hmm. you know they're not the best people to hang around are mm -hmm. they so it's it's very you know questionable reputation that's going on out there so but I think as fans the responsibility is to inform yourself a you know first and foremost of who is in charge of the team who are the people you're buying because then you have that other aspect what are the players doing outside of the footballing world and we've had a couple of well-known cases where They've necessarily haven't been necessarily you know the nicest or the biggest role models that you're mm -hmm. taunted to be. So yeah, uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that money is bad in football. I think it's it's helped to improve the overall quality of it for beginners. The entertainment aspect of it has always also increased. I mean, think of how you would you know, be able to afford what we see nowadays as World Cups as like the standard for World Cups, Champions Leagues, leagues and everything. Like the level is is insanely high quality wise and you know quantity wise. You need that money for that. I think that part is okay. Mm -hmm. But you do have to be a lot more scrutinous when it comes to like who are the people making the decisions, where the money is coming from and what that money is actually being used for. Like bringing back for instance the Neymar transfer. How isn't that something a Barca fans conflicted about? This guy literally pissed all over your team two years ago. He left for 220 million to another club that basically has been in, in you know war with you since ever since like signing your young players and everything and now you're welcoming back like this huge champion of you know truth and what Barcelona actually needs and when it's basically in my view a dude that's just gonna sell more jerseys period I mean he's not Dembele and you know he has a weak foot and he's been injured this whole time he's had an attitude problem uh in the middle of everything he pulls out this huge publicity stunt for like you know Casa de Papel the the, the and the Netflix show I don't know I would feel a bit uncomfortable if that were the case with my team uh having said that uh, I mean some people just don't give a shit do they so you shouldn't I, have to really True, no. but I do think it's it's it, it does bring a lot to the game that now we have to be a lot more open-minded and a lot more conscious of what we are supporting and who we are supporting. And I think that's a very, very interesting aspect to the game nowadays. Mm. I just say, like, I think the football world has to be aware that fans don't need anything, though everything they, they can do. The arrogance of clubs and brands and players towards their fans is, like, exhausting, I would say. And uh, there will be a... a I think the fan culture will change like the people who really have a romantic view on football will maybe walk away and then there is this entertainment uh, p uh people going there and it, then it turns out to be the nfl like in NBA the us kind of, yeah. mm. everybody just goes there eats a burger and then goes home and no one take no one takes care about what's actually happening and then the football is in my eyes more or less dead or it's a pure tv sport and this is yeah. like maybe 15 to 20 years if clubs or brands don't understand that fans are part of the of the entertainment and the adventure that's happening well what i would say is if you ever watch a game without fans like behind closed doors you realize yeah. what, a grim. Grim, yeah. what a terrible experience what a terrible experience 22 idiots running behind a ball literally but i can uh when when this super league comes in and it's not a question of if when this super league comes in and domestic leagues are relegated and they're not that important that's for me is when football dies yeah my theory, like 10 years, is the World Cup 2022 is the, the game changer for football. Because if the mm. FIFA, the UEFA and all the clubs don't find a way back to, norma to normality or to like a normal organization and back to their normal league schedule and whatever, 
from my point of view, football is dead for normal people. It's a TV sport, it's an entertainment sport, a global sport, and then it's NBA, NFL, NHL, whatever it is. Yeah, we'll have to change the podcast. <laughs> well, it's two more good years. With two years, so, well, <laughs> let's, see, let's see what we can get from those. Two Start years. looking for a new sport. That's what we have to be doing right now. Um, Dan, pretty run of the mill win for your team, anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Um, pretty uneventful. Silver made his four hundredth. David Silver made his four hundredth appearance for the club. Sergio Aguero scored his four hundredth goal for club and country. Um, Kevin De Bruyne looks in very good form. Nothing looks, but he looks nothing, angry. Nothing four hundred about him though. No. no. Okay. Just four hundred miles an hour. Okay. <laughs> uh, there was a VAR penalty incident in that game and in in the Spurs game, which was played on the same day. Go on. Um, I don't. You I have you twenty seconds. Dwell to on VAR. it too much. But what I don't understand with these decisions that they're making. So the referee has seen this incident. The VAR has also seen the incident. The VAR doesn't have the power to overrule the referee's decision, even though the referee only got one look at it in a split second which was the case before VAR. So what has changed, really? They're not really bringing anything new to the game apart from these crazy handballs that we're seeing, these marginal offsides. They're not, they're not doing what we all thought VAR was being brought in to do. I think weird. VAR is rubbish. I'd get rid of it, but yeah. that's, look, but I, that's, that's weird because during the World Cup, we all remember VAR worked perfectly yeah. and it was well communicated in the stadium. We all understood. In the Women's World Cup? No, in the, in the Women's also, but also 2018. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The, the VAR was the big win- winner uh, at the, of the World Cup, but then it was spread out to the leagues and everybody's doing it different. I mean, we have the same discussions in England than we have in Germany, but everybody has different rules. Mm. Everybody has different referees. And I just think no one has a real like no one have ever thought what what can happen then it's just like learning in the open field it's the implementation basically yeah. everyone hires different companies to do it for them so they all have the different sets of standards yeah. and every league has a tolerance level to that basically so let's say it was a tweet i remember i think it was because of the city bar incident actually someone said like the margin of error is six seven inches which actually makes a huge difference um and a game where you know such little which is kind of usually say yeah you yeah, can say it's it's a toe ahead, he's a shoulder, toe ahead. shoulder yeah. six inches is a lot when it comes to that aspect of it so of course mm-hmm. if that's your tolerance level then you as a league have to check what it is you're actually doing with technology because then it's rendered useless if mm-hmm. it's that big of a margin i guess uh your neighbors lost they did. <laughs> to, to crystal <laughs> Sorry, palace I shouldn't laugh, I shouldn't laugh. you shouldn't but well, you can but laugh. i did so that's <laughs> one one win one draw one defeat for manchester United. it's not much so Doing right. Do you know how many since United uh, beat PSG in the Champions League final last year? Do you know how many games in the final? Uh, Sorry, the Champions League last season. Do you know how many they've won? Two, three, three out of fifteen. Nine defeats in that time as well. Can we pinpoint where it's gone wrong for Solskjaer? Well, the manager he's just out of his depth, isn't he? They shouldn't have appointed him in the first place. Um, Looking at his team, they don't have much firepower up front. I think the defense is reasonably solid. The goalkeeper has lost it. You know, that was a huge error for that that um, winning goal against Palace at the weekend. But I was watching that game and I was looking at Pogba, and I was thinking, what does Paul Pogba actually do? For Man United, not much. Doesn't run very much. Doesn't get into the box. Doesn't shoot. Doesn't score. His passing is good, about 80% of the time. Mm. But you look at, you know, the best Premier League midfielders, Lampard, Gerrard, Vieira, Yaya Torre, they all had a bit of everything. Mm. Paul Pogba is very one-dimensional. I think he's very overrated. I think too much of United's play goes through him. And I think they'd probably be better off getting rid of him in the next couple of years and rebuilding the team around I someone mean, else. He occasionally pings a good assist and, they, and he'll get, like, good stats. And people look at stats and go, oh, he's a great player. Yeah, it's a, He's a luxury player. One that United can't afford right yep. now, I would say. Um, a bit of a shock defeat. Speaking of shock defeats, Tottenham Newcastle. Mm. Wow. Yeah. A real Rafa Benitez performance. <laughs> With a Rafa Benitez. Yeah, yeah you could say yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think talking about Spurs for a second, I think they should be a little worried actually. They've oh, started the season really poorly. I think they were poor at home to Villa, even though they won. Very lucky to get a draw at City. They were dreadful against Newcastle. I mean, that goal that they conceded was embarrassing. The, the defending, the, the lack of sort of closing down going on there was really poor. Their defending on their first game was embarrassing too. I forget who they were playing, but they conceded a goal in the first Villa game. Villa was the first game. Yeah, Villa, season. that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, Pochettino seems a little bit unhappy at the moment to me. He's sort of not really smiling very much. He's got these problems with Ericsson and Vertonghen. And we don't really know what's happening with them. Um, I can't see them challenging for the title this season, the way things are going, which was the sort of pre-season prediction for a lot of people. I think they might finish top four by virtue of the fact that there's only really three good teams in the league, mm-hmm. them being one of them. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's been a... But isn't it the typical, like, they, last season they were over the top? I mean, they reached more than mm-hmm. everyone expected. And right now, maybe mm-hmm. this is the target they, they want to reach again, and it's impossible. Everybody knows it's yeah. impossible to reach that. And then maybe the the air goes out of this whole structure. And I think they will fall apart. Uh, I think it must be exhausting playing under Pochettino too. He's intense. 
Yeah, of course. He's yeah, intense. But, he's but last season, coach, last season, that was the best thing that could happen. And this season, it's oh, he's intense. Well, he was talking. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, he was talking about resigning during the summer, yeah. or if they won the Champions League. So I mean, from his point of view, it's he had, in there. He had to resign because what else could he reach than the Champions League final and playing mm -hmm. a, a good season? And the he will never reach the Champions League final again with Tottenham. That's impossible. So. Definitely uh, not. Yeah, so. Definitely not. Uh, final question, Dan. You and I nominated Bruce to be the first manager to be sacked. We might be wrong. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. I mean, thinking about that prediction, it was probably never going to come off because he's probably going to get a season to do uh, whatever he wants there anyway because they're just not really going to be able to get anyone better, are they? They tried and they got Steve Bruce. He was like the 10th name on the list, apparently. So what are they going to do? Go for the 11th name on the list? <laughs> Who's that, Alan Pardew or something? <laughs> like, so... <laughs> So, I mean, I think I looked at their summer signings, you know, Joe Linton's a good signing, that um, Sam Maxim's a good signing. I think they've actually done some fairly decent business there. So okay. they've got a pretty good squad. I think they'll probably stay up. So the last be... time I'm going to copy your answer. When yeah, it comes to these yeah, things. yeah, yeah. Okay. Benny, mm. do you want to tell us a kebab story? Yes, it's the best football story of the week. Uh, it's... Where's the second best story of the week? You're going to tell us the best story after that. Uh, so it's the second best story of the week. It's yeah. not from Germany, but uh, I, I spotted it on a German Twitter account that there was a kebab delivery to the VAR room in Greece football, <laughs> which is pretty great. There is a picture of a hand <laughs> and a plastic bag full of kebabs. There's a video, actually. There's video. Yeah, oh, even better. Like a hand with kebabs going in. And I just thought, like, if this happens in Germany, <laughs> there will be like a three-month discussion. I don't know. I never heard anything else about, is this normal in Greece or whatever it was is. Was that but while it, the game was going on? Yeah, it, it was, was like... Literally kebabs. the first time VAR was being used in Greek football yeah. ever. And the first shot of VAR being, like, the VAR room. By the way, here's your pizza, whatever it's got. <laughs> I mean, the kebabs are very yeah. good over there, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, true. So I can understand that. I mean, they, they, the referees sit there in their full dress. Like they have the referee dress, they are, they have like hand like like microphones and everything, and then they eat a kebab during the game. It's so amazing. <laughs> I think it's the best thing that VAR have done to football in the last two years. I love that they wear the full gear. Yeah, I really. I mean, they, they they are in the game. Technically, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. Did it's you know I never ate a kebab until I moved to Germany? Really? Yeah. I think it's a German invention, right? In Turkey, they don't eat it like this, like we do it in. No, no, the no. Döner kebab. The is Döner kebab. No, it's German. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 Döner means rotate. Yeah. And burn. Uh, kebab means burn, doesn't it? So I that's think so, yeah. Yeah. Burn rotation. Look at this. Yeah, you're not even just... With the, we're teaching things on this podcast. I know, yeah. It's amazing. Well, discussing moral and ethics. They're also going to talk about kebabs. Yeah, and yeah. food. Yeah, food. Well, it all comes well, yeah. together here at the One uh, Football Podcast. The second best story comes from your club. Yes, my club Schalke 04 lost against Bayern Munich, which was not a surprise. But there was some discussions about hand and the hand rule and VAR and what he can do and what he can't do. And finally, a fan decided that he has enough of this and he went to police. A fan, <laughs> was it you? A fan. A fan <laughs> not named. An anonymous yeah, Schalke fan. Yeah. <laughs> not named. He went to the police and I don't know the English phrasing for it. Uh, he... What is it? He fraud? He fraud. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he reported Bayern Munich for fraud. Yeah, he reported no, the referee. He reported uh, oh, the, the referee, referee was for, it? Okay, like, uh, for fraud. Yeah. yeah. And now the police in Gelsenkirchen, which is the poorest city in Germany, and they have a bad infrastructure and nothing is running there. Now they have to investigate this, this incident, <laughs> which will take like, I've, I think the most motivated policemen yeah. will find a way to save uh, Schalke these points or to replay the game. The bad thing is they lost only 3-0 to Bayern. So if they replay the game, they will definitely lose 8-0. <laughs> and There's the no chance they could replay the game. No, of course oh, not. Okay, thank God. Weren't they like sarcastically tweeting about it, the police force? Oh, they were, they were actually yeah. funnier about it. Like, yeah, yeah Schalke was tweeting like, uh, it wasn't us, but we were very interested in the result of this investigation. So. <laughs> but the handball was... I mean, they had they had a point. It was suspicious. The last match day in German football again yeah. was uh, was uh, the deep point in handball rule or whatever it is. Uh, I think when it all started. For those who don't know, can you just explain yeah. what the exact? So rule in is? the Bayern game, there were two, and I'm speaking as a Schalke fan, but also neutral fans say there were two incidents on Bayern side that must have led. But the correct understanding of the hand rule must have led to two penalties for Schalke. There mm -hmm. was one Perisic in the wall, just he stretched out his hand, the ball goes there, it's a it's a it's a penalty. And then there was Pavar at the corner, he, yeah. at like he just like get the ball on his hand. And normally this is a hand defining the new rule. It's mm -hmm. a hand penalty. Yeah. Uh, nothing happened, so they lost. They would never have win. I, I don't say they won the game if they have two penalties, but it was a bit suspicious. And then there were two or three other games. Like there was one game Werder Bremen where a, where a striker scored a goal, 
and like in like a um, like fighting with the with the with the defender, he got the ball on his hand without any purpose. So he did just like the ball jumped to his hand, and then mm -hmm. he scored a goal. And this was not given because there is a new rule that if you score a goal and there is a hand involved at any time, it's not going to be given. But yeah. only for strikers. If a defender's hand is involved, it's it can it, it it can be given or not be given or whatever. It's not a penalty. It's just like this rule only only is for strikers, which is completely weird. So there's a lot of discussion about hand rule and what it is and what. I we just heard a door clatter <laughs> there <laughs> from a thief coming in. <laughs> uh, and what I wanted to say is like when they in when they started VAR in Germany. When they in introduced the new hand rule, we all discussed here like, oh, this is the end of football culture because there's no discussion anymore. The people can't talk about anything in the bars or whatever. It's amazing. And we are discussing card, yeah. VAR and handballs every day. It's, yeah. That's amazing. A lot of people open arms. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Very good. I'm here. Tip your waitress, etc. Uh, Coutinho made his debut. Yes, he played for like 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Like, and then after day, the next day, he played against an amateur team okay. uh, and scored his first goal for Bayern Munich. Which what, just for the love of football or did he just uh, get it a bit more? It was just like the, this is your dream game against Bayern Munich and Nico Kovac decided to bring in the full squad from the Schalke game. For the first 25 minutes, they played with all the stars. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. And this amateur team was like, what's going on? <laughs> but then they uh, substituted Klaus Augenthaler, who is 58 or 59 yeah. or 60, like a Bayern legend, he played for both teams then. He pl also played the last 20 minutes next to Zule, I would say, or <laughs> Pavard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Amazing, yeah. And Coutinho, yeah, he played the first 20 minutes. Um, he was good. So everybody saw that he's a plus for Bayern and that he will definitely be the best footballer in the Bundesliga. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to see what's happening. But he won't be playing with Timo Werner anytime soon. Not this year. Okay, but next, is it next season? Year. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. he signed a new deal. Exactly. He signed a new deal that says every year you stay at Leipzig, you will be cheaper than you are right now. Oh, really? Now. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. I have the same thing with one football. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you uh, Did you want to mention Dortmund at all? I know you. I know you like to talk about them. They're off to a decent start. Yes. I mean, what what to say about this shit club? Uh, <laughs> they have a shit transfer summer. They had a shit start to the season. <laughs> I don't see them going anywhere. So uh, it's a normal normal shit. Normal shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, transfer window closes on Monday. Yes. Anything interesting left to do in the Bundesliga? I still think that Bayern is going for one or two players. Oh. I think they're not done. There is something happening. Name names. It's hard Neymar. to say. Maybe Neymar. Maybe Neymar. they're waiting for the Neymar. <laughs> they started great. this whole domino game. Yeah. Like they say, if the one domino stone falls, uh, yeah. then it starts. The domino stone wasn't clear what it is. Yeah, it was for supposed sure to be at some point, but you know, yeah. no. It maybe isn't. they wait. Maybe they wait. But I think they. I don't know. They they go for one or two players or sign them for next season already, like okay. Havertz or uh, yeah. whoever there is. Like, um, yeah. As a Bayern fan, is there any one name you would like to see on that? Well, it was honestly, I did. I was really keen on, on seeing Leroy Sané on the team. I think that was that would have been like a tit for tat solution to the team. Coutinho mm. to me is more like a Hamas like kind of replacement kind of thing. Not necessarily what the team needs, but not bad either. Uh, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, Sané was probably like the big one. Timo Werner would have been great to see too. But then again, if you're keeping Lewandowski, it's kind of hard to like, keep them both happy and play them in the same position because mm -hmm. there's one position for both. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it was either Sané, Werner, Havertz would have been great. But I would honestly hate, it would break my heart to see him leave Leverkusen because they finally have like someone driving a decent young team going somewhere. I mean, Leverkusen is fantastic this season. I love I'm it. sure you'd get over it. Not really. I mean, I actually, I kind of want them to have, I want to have a shit season this year. I, I really, I really think, okay, we've, we've won enough. Like, let someone else take over. Dortmund is my favorite to win the league anyhow. Uh, That's when you bought a football, when you yeah. want someone else to win the league. Yeah, I guess. I'm I mean, not at that point. No, yeah. you just want to get rid of Nico Kovac, I <laughs> I'm just, say, well, yeah. well, Kovac and Hunes and the whole bunch. I'm annoyed about yeah. them. Like, I think they've done, like, we were promised, like, your whole revamping this summer ended up being, okay, let's sign plan C on a loan for one year and then figure it out. And it is disappointing when that's sort of like your solution. Poor Ivan Perisic. Yeah, well, that's and tomorrow is a big day for Bayern Munich because uh, Uli Hoeneß is going to step down. Uh, oh, yeah. He announces uh, stepping down uh, as a president of Bayern Munich, and then the new era begins. So Who's taking over? Uh, there are rumors that Herbert Heiner from Adidas, former Adidas boss, is taking over, but this is just a rumor. I don't okay. know. Uh, but uh, this will be a huge change for Bayern Munich's culture. Finally, because everyone who is like in a in a important position right now is backed up by Uli Hoeneß. So Sali Hamicic and Niko Kovac are Uli Hoeneß choices. Rummenigge would have made completely different choices. And if uh, uh, um, Hoeneß steps back, uh, I think there will be some change in personal uh, for the next season. Ooh. Pretty sure. 
Uh, a couple of more questions to get to. David Valesco uh, said, I had a comment about last week's podcast regarding the few New Zealand players in the Bundesliga. When you're talking about there only being one other New Zealand player to have played in, to have ever played in the Bundesliga, I could have sworn you were going to say Marco Rojas, who played for Stuttgart. But of course, you know this, Benny. Marco Rojas didn't play a game for Stuttgart in the Bundesliga. He didn't play a game, but he was in the squad, but he was too bad, right? He was on loan then for a few years. Yeah, uh, he went out, but he never actually started yeah. in the, the Bundesliga. The only New Zealand so player is Ned Zilic, right? Or is there another one? Oh, there was another one whose name... Uh, yeah, the, 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 did he play for Bremen? No, for Dortmund. Or, uh, the name and Winton Rufa, of course. Winton Rufa, we called him Kiwi. That's uh. how we Germans are, <laughs> funny names. <laughs> yeah, with two two New Zealand players, Ned Zilic and Winton Rufa. And my favourite emailer, Avery, had a question. Avery. Yeah. Uh, my question is, how will the injuries to Mbappe and Cavani affect PSG this season, since Neymar wants to leave? Keeping him is tops- toxic for the team, but can they afford to sell him at this point? They have Trupo Moting. Yeah. Built See his goal the other day? Yeah, he scored, yeah. Unreal. Yeah. yeah, that was actually pretty it was good. Really good. Yeah, was another good. player that was ruined by Schalke 04 and then <laughs> finally found back his form at another club. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, yeah, you lose Cavani, you lose Mbappe. I think any team would be screwed if that were the case. Traxler's also out. So, you know. Who, Traxler? He's also injured, yeah. He still plays for PSG? Yeah, well, you'd think. But wow. uh, yeah, he's still under contract, let's put it that way. Okay. Um, uh, and yeah, the whole Neymar thing. Yeah. Traxler would be a good signing for you. It's a. I, yeah. I, I thought the theory is that they signed Ruxler in the end. But yeah. Coutinho is the better move, I would say. It's yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's an improvement. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not exactly what we're looking for again. Ruxler yeah. was more the Draxler profile. was uh, option E, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Former F- Schalke G. legend. He is still a Schalke legend. He's still a Schalke yeah. legend. Mesut he, Ozil. He Schalke extended legend. his contract oh. for five years and left Wolfsburg the year legend too. Yeah. A lot of Schalke legends out there. Yeah. Manuel Neuer. As I said, Schalke 04 is the kindergarten of modern football. <laughs> so every big club has one key player from Schalke 04. It was the basis of Germany's World Cup win. Of course. Not only that, it is the basis of Manchester United's title win. It's the basis of Arsenal's success in the last years. It's the basis of everything in world football is based on Schalke 04's talent pool. I mean, nothing to do with the fact that two Dortmund players hooked up to score the winning goal in the World Cup final. <clears throat> yeah. Or were they Dortmund at the time? Sure, there might have been a Chelsea, was he? But there was Benedict Hüvedes saving them on the left wing oh. of this game. So they could play offensively and shine while Schalke's mm. do the real work in the back. Yeah. And of course, Manuel Neuer. And Manuel Neuer. That's all from us today. My thanks to Daniel, Dan and Benny. We'll be back next week on Thursday with Joanna and Bruna and you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're in. International week. The boys are back in town. (laughs) It's international week, so make it interesting. Uh, in the meantime you can listen to the back catalog on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify wherever it is you get your podcast hit and if you want to get in touch with any address to do so it's podcast at onefootball.com 